Hello, everyone. I'm Harpreet Singh, welcoming you to the Future Work Pioneers podcast. Today, we are speaking with Christian Robinson, the Chief People and Employee Experience Officer at Ford Motor Company. In this role, she oversees all global people processes, including talent management, workforce planning, learning and development, recruiting, diversity and inclusion, compensation and benefits, and the Dealer Policy Board at Ford. Kristen began her career at Ford in 1995 as a labor relations representative in Australia and quickly rose through the ranks. In 2016, she was appointed to lead human resources for the Americas. And in early 2017, her role was expanded to include global markets culminating into her current role. Kristen, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much, Harpeet. It's great to be with you. Can you tell us about your background, any defining moments that led you to a career in HR? Yeah, um, I've actually got several defining moments. My, my career has taken many twists and turns, but perhaps one of the most defining was not long after I left college, I, one of my very first roles was as a supervisor of volunteers. And what's really interesting about supervising and working with volunteers is some of the normal tools that we think are at disposal with employees like compensation or performance management processes don't necessarily apply. And it gave me a chance to really understand what what was unique about what motivated people, uh, what was their their, uh, proposition for being a volunteer, understanding how to work with that and deliver on that promise for them as well as run the business. Uh, so just because you're a volunteer, you still have to work every day on time. You still need to deliver against the objectives that are set. So it was, uh, it was a great experience for me as a supervisor or as a leader, but it also very interested in this notion of how to maximize human performance. Christian, what is the role of leadership in the current crisis and in workforce transformation? You know, the last several months during the pandemic have taught us so much about leadership. Uh, And the way I think about it, it's almost like a leadership sandbox where we've really got to test the future leadership capabilities that we're going to need, certainly uh, in our industry as we navigate transformation and significant change. And what's really emerged from my perspective is first and foremost, leading through crises or uh, unpredictable situation requires leaders to demonstrate great clarity through communication. So when they don't have all the answers, being able to one, acknowledge they don't have the answers and still steer their teams in a direction that gives their teams a sense of comfort, purpose and clarity. I think the second that's really emerged during the pandemic has been the important role that empathy plays. You know, you and I are connecting uh, with each other from our homes. We've never met each other in person, but there's an intimacy that gets created talking from you know, my home to, to your home. Um, but understanding the demands that we all have working from home and the unique circumstances And the pandemic's almost been a unifying experience because irrespective of how different we may be, we've got this shared experience now. And so how leaders demonstrate and understand empathy 
in determining how to best support their teams, I also think has been a defining factor. And the third, I would say, is this comfort with ambiguity. Uh, so much as leaders, we want to have all the answers. We want to feel like we're in control and we know what to do. And yet there's no playbook. Uh, for There certainly hasn't been a playbook for the last six or seven months. And so how you embrace and get comfort with ambiguity and actually use that as an opportunity to innovate and experiment has certainly distinguished some of the great leadership that I've seen demonstrated throughout the last several months. You've stated uh, that Ford's human-centered design thinking is a crucial part of making Ford truly customer-centric. Tell us about your approach to human-centered design thinking. How does this process aid in culture transformation? So we've, we've completely pivoted our approach to culture transformation. We're adopting and practicing the principles of human-centered design uh, we start with putting the employee experience at the center of the work that we do. So we've recently gone through a process where we've reviewed all of our policies and processes, and we start with understanding the employee experience of those. So one example is we recently uh, completely redesigned our parental leave policies, and we got together a group of parents uh, parents of biological children, adopted children, foster children, to understand what their experience as well as what their needs are as we're shaping and informing the policy. And we actually co-created it with them. And what that allowed us to do was not only come up with a very simple and clear policy that made sense both in words, but also in the experience that we were creating for new parents. And it's worked remarkably well for us. Another example, and it sounds really simple, is during the pandemic, when we were getting ready to bring back our place-dependent workforce, so particularly in our production facilities, we knew that um, safety was top of mind for both our employees, but also their families. You know, as they were saying goodbye to mum or dad in the morning, they wanted to make sure that their parents were going to work in a really safe place. So we spent a lot of time uh, creating a playbook for employees, but also for their families. And we shared it with families so that they could understand the conditions, the safety measures that were putting into place. And we gave every employee, and we named it intentionally, a care kit, because we wanted them to feel cared for in coming into the workplace. And it contained everything from PPE, face masks, hand sanitizers, thermometers, but also kind of things that uh, they could do like a family pledge in their own home to keep themselves safe, both in the workplace and out of the workplace. And so that, that empathy, as well as that understanding for what's really going to make sense intellectually, but also emotionally for employees has really been central to the approach that we've been taking. What, what role is technology playing in all of this, uh, as you look at the uh, toward the future, uh, how do you see technology changing HR? Yeah, technology is having a profound impact on HR and the employee experience, I would say. And so first and foremost, uh, through technology, it enables us to personalize the employee experience and scale it in a way that we never could have before. And so whether it's the personal administration of my benefits, the selections that I want to make, 
about my work schedule or the leave arrangements uh, that make the most sense for me and my family, but also through AI-enabled technology, I'm actually aided to make better decisions that meet my needs based on my own personal circumstances. Technology is also enabling teams in terms of automated workflow and gathering employee sentiment and helping them to come together and collaborate in very different ways. And I would say one of the most powerful tools that we have that we didn't have before that's aided through technology as an HR function is data analytics and insights so that we really can understand what's working in terms of the employee experience, what's not working, and we're able to make quick real-time adjustments and decisions to better support our employees, which previously would have taken us several years to conduct focus groups, collect that information, go back and modify. We can now do that real time, which is really powerful. Related to employee activity, shaping Ford's culture, you've talked about Ford's initiative of culture cabinet and street teams. Tell us about these initiatives. Yeah, this, is, uh, this has been really exciting work, actually. Uh, a couple of years ago, when we embarked upon our culture transformation, we knew that we didn't want it to be a top-down exercise. And so whilst we had a very engaged and passionate CEO and leadership team, we really wanted, uh, through the employee experience, employees to feel a great sense of ownership and co-creation. And so uh, we did several things to engage employees, but perhaps... Uh, a couple of the most significant were, we sent out an invitation to every employee in every market, inviting them to be uh, part of our culture street team, which was essentially change agents in their location to bring about and activate culture change. And within 24 hours of sending out the invitation, we had nearly 7,000 employees volunteer to be part of this culture street team. And they've been great ambassadors for us, activators of change, and they've even taken on their own cultural change efforts in their own locations, which have sparked great innovative work. An example of that, our Ford Australia and our Ford India team created a whole platform that they call Flourish at Ford, which is essentially a well-being platform that's focused on understanding and nurturing the well-being needs of employees that we've now taken and we're applying elsewhere across the organization. And our culture cabinet is a much smaller team. It's our advisory council made up of a cross-section of employees from all different roles, all different markets, geographies across the company who act as advisors when we're thinking about certain uh, change efforts or decisions to help make sure that we're, we're really understanding what are unique uh, needs of employees or helping to shape and inform different directions that we should be taking. You, you've talked about um, the aspiration to become the world's most trusted company. Where does this aspiration come from and, and what role does HR play in this process? You know, one of the great things about working for a company that's been around for so long and the family is still very much a part of the company, when we, when we started on our culture transformation, we actually uh, invited employee, employees around the world to tell us what do they love about Ford's culture? What's really unique and special? And if they could change something, what could it be? And universally, irrespective of 
uh, whether an employee had been with us for three months or 30 years, they told us they loved being part of a family company, that it really made us unique. And when you pair that back at the foundation, it's this notion of trust. And so trust being the high value that we place on integrity, integrity is never compromised, how we serve and support each other and our communities, and then the capability that we bring to the table to deliver on the business needs. So that's how we think about trust. And so we use those elements to shape and inform all the work that we do within HR because it essentially forms the basis of the social contract that we have with employees. So as we think about a specific, uh, whether it's a talent program, the recruiting relationship we might have, key change efforts, how do we ensure that we're protecting that trust with our employees? And so again, if I, you know, the pandemic's very recent and so it's front of mind for all of us, but as we thought through our response to the pandemic, knowing we didn't have all the answers, we really wanted to make sure that employees, when they were looking for information and trying to distinguish between what was fact and fiction, they could come to us as a source of trust because they knew that we would tell them when we knew something, when we didn't know something, and we were in service of making sure that their health and safety was protected. And we would bring in the competence and capability either from our internal medical experts or we'd bring in outside experts to help ensure that they were armed with the information that they needed. This episode is brought to you by Experfy. Incubated in Harvard Innovation Lab, Experfy provides custom future of work solutions, such as private talent clouds and skill taxonomies. Experfy differentiates itself by using subject matter experts to pre-vet and pipeline candidates for AI and high-end technology skills. However, Experfy Talent Cloud Platform is skill agnostic and can be licensed to build custom talent clouds for any and all skills. In a different use case, enterprises interested in employee intermobility can license the Experfy platform to create an internal gigs marketplace where interested employees can be algorithmically matched to projects, gamifying their learning experience. Visit www.experfy.com for more information. So what, what other initiatives you think are um, necessary to instill that trust uh, in, in the employee population? You know, I think trust permeates everything that we do. It's everything from does when you sit down to have your year-end performance conversation or coaching conversations, do you feel like your people leader is transparent? That they're telling you what you're, what you're doing really well, but they're also telling you where your gaps are. Do you, does the process feel fair and open and and as I said, transparent. Or when you apply for a role within the company, do you feel as though you're treated equitably, that you're given a fair chance, that you trust the selection decisions, um, that when you, uh, when you go in and you present information or a presentation, that you trust that there'll be safety in the room, that you'll be listened to, you'll be heard, that your opinion is valued and that you can have the greatest impact possible. I mean, trust permeates everything that we do. Uh, and we've been spending a lot of time actually thinking about how do we measure that? How do we really peel it back? Because I can say I trust you, but what exactly does it mean? And so that's why we came up with this framework, our definition around integrity, serving others, 
and competence. And so we've built measures around each of those elements to ensure that we're continuing to hold ourselves accountable for fulfilling that commitment of trust with each other. Oh, that's very admirable. With the rise of AI and um, emerging technologies, upskilling and reskilling have become uh, important themes, especially within a large uh, enterprise like Ford. Uh, I'm sure you have many uh, initiatives that are uh, going on. So, so could you give us some understanding of uh, how you're tackling this problem? Yeah, this is such an exciting space for us as HR professionals. I mean, we really do have a great opportunity here. And so reskilling and upscaling skilling happens on a multitude of levels. There's the macro level of redefining the core capabilities that you need as an organization to deliver on the strategy. And then how do you support and scale employees building proficiency in those capabilities. And so digital capabilities is a great example of that, irrespective of the role that you sit in um, or where your role's located, some level of digital proficiency is now required. But that's not enough. And so then there's the micro capability building that's much more personalized to the specific role and your aspiration. And so that starts with really understanding what's expected, what are those gaps, and then how do you how do you ensure you've got a development plan that allows you to build those capabilities in a really targeted way to get to mastery? Every single one of us should be striving for mastery in some capability. And so what is that for you and your role? And how do you go about investing in building that capability? Um, we're also doing work around our pipeline and looking beyond kind of the traditional net that we would normally consider our pipeline around how we support some of these reskilling efforts, which is really exciting. And so we've got a number of partnerships in the community, for instance, as we look at creating talent hubs. Um, one example of that is we're building a talent hub in downtown Detroit. It's called Michigan Central. And it's an innovation hub that's going to have a cross range of different industries and businesses that will come together to innovate, but also get into this reoccurring uh, talent building where uh, employees, but also citizens in the community and even high school kids can come build capability, kind of reimagine what the future is going to look like uh, and experiment. And so I'm really excited about how now as HR professionals, we're bringing together different elements, the community, education, workplace design, as well as learning and capability building. This is a great segue to the next question. When we think of future of work, you've got three pillars. You've got the workforce, you have work culture, and you have the workspace. Uh, so can, can you talk about, um, from your perspective, what these three look like in the context of Ford and how you see these uh, pillars evolving as we go into the future. Yeah, this is, um, so this is really exciting. So we, uh, we recently uh, actually brought together employee experience, culture and workplace experience under my organization because there's so much power in thinking about if we're going to enable culture transformation, 
that's really employee-centered, how do we make sure we do that in a way that is reflected in the design of the workplace? Now, clearly the design of the workplace has shifted through the pandemic. So we're reimagining that again. Um, and so this notion of if, if you leave your home to go into a physical workplace, how do you create that space so that it is a regenerative workspace that fosters collaboration and innovation in a way that you can't do from home? And so that's, that's the problem statement that we're working through at the moment because the future of work in my mind is clearly going to involve a hybrid where many of us will continue to work from home, but there will be unique roles, unique work statements, unique projects where coming together in this collaborative, innovative workspace is actually going to create a much greater outcome. And our challenge is how do we design that workspace to really maximize collaboration, foster culture change, but also this notion that when you leave at the end of the day, you feel as though you've had the greatest impact and you feel rejuvenated, rejuvenated in a way that you can't get that, uh, that feeling or have that impact from your home work environment. And so we've been running a think tank for a think tank sprint in recent weeks where we've brought together a cross section of internal and external experts to actually problem solve this very issue. Uh, and they're doing some really creative things around reimagining what the future of employee experience and workplace experience looks like when you bring them together. That's great. So, so uh, you, earlier you talked about uh, this uh, talent hub in Detroit. If you were to think about it today, would, would you make it virtual or would you still put it in Detroit? I would absolutely put it in Detroit. Um, wow. And it would, also, uh, it would also facilitate virtual connection as well. So it's not going to be, it's not binary anymore, right? We get to have this uh, hybrid work situation but I do think there are, and our role is to define what the, what the roles are, but also the projects are, where there is unique value in coming together to create and to innovate and to problem solve. And so how we get really clear about what those needs are so we can design the space for those needs, I think we can create something really special by doing that. And so that's exactly what the team's working on at the moment. So um, you, you mentioned that obviously we'll, we'll have a hybrid uh, uh, kind of a setup when it comes to the workplace. So can you talk about how COVID has accelerated your remote, wor remote work experience and how you're managing this changing culture? Yeah, it's um, so I would say pre-COVID, we were somewhat conservative in our work from home arrangements. We had globally less than a thousand people working from home. So our pivot was a 24 hour pivot on March 13th, uh, where we went from less than a thousand to more than 115,000 of our employees working remotely. Uh, and like many companies, it was seamless. Uh, it was completely seamless. Uh, I think what's interesting uh, 
given where we are now in November and what we've learned, it's certainly been an accelerator for us. It's stream, streamlined and simplified many of our processes and the way in which we work, particularly decision-making, uh, how we manage our time, um, our, uh, our willingness to experiment and take risks. But I also think we're about to hit a really important threshold where as we approach the 12 month mark, we are starting to see fatigue with employees working from home. We are starting to see the loss of in-person connection and community that you get from having a physical uh, in-person workplace. We're definitely seeing uh, fatigue associated with blurred boundaries between personal and professional time. And so how we use um, the great learnings we've had over the last several months, continue to build on that as an accelerator. But again, having empathy for this 12 month threshold around the toll it's also taking and how we problem solve for that. And that's why I don't think it's going to be one or the other, work from home or be in the workplace. I think our challenge is to come up with this creative solution that's fit for purpose based on the needs and how you create workspace and flexibility for those unique employee needs, but also those unique business needs, because there are circumstances where we're just so much better. The impact we can have is so much greater when we're in person together. Mm -hmm. There's another aspect to this, right? Because we've started uh, to do work remotely, it opens up new markets for talent. And also it opens up uh, perhaps even reliance on freelancers that probably wasn't there before. So how do you think about uh, remote and talent that is maybe outside your geography or even freelancing talent? Yeah, it's a great question. And, and we're in the thick of exploring that at the moment. Uh, and again, I think it's going to be dependent upon the nature of the work. Uh, and so clearly uh, in our production facilities, we're much more constrained where it's place dependent in person. Um, but in other areas where the skills are definitely transferable and you actually get to leverage the 24 hour clock even by casting your talent net more broadly, I think there's tremendous opportunity What's going to be curious is this notion around freelance, gig, agency, and base employees, and what that means in terms of the social contract we have. And I think those are lines that we've yet to define. We're still very much in the experiment, experimentation phase, but I think that's gonna be a really important uh, area for us as an HR community to do more work in so that we're continuing to reinforce and be clear around what is the, what is the social contract? How do we meet the, the unique needs of those different employee groups, but also partnering with other companies? I mean, I can envisage a future where we, 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 we talent share depending on what the need is. And we actually had great examples of that during COVID where we pivoted many of our manufacturing facilities to making PPE in ventilators. And we did that in partnership with other companies completely outside of our industry in service of the community. And so it shouldn't, it, it shouldn't necessarily necessitate a pandemic to create that level of cross-industry and cross-company collaboration. 
um, why can't we do that to service the needs of our business and our customers today? And so I think there's some really exciting opportunities there for us to think about as an HR community. How do you look at the topic of diversity and uh, what are the initiatives that are uh, taking place at, at Ford Motor? Yeah, this, um, if I reflect on this year and what I've learned, this has probably been one of the most powerful learning experiences for me. In, uh, in July of this year, I was scheduled to go to our board and present our progress on diversity. And our scorecard looked really good uh, in terms of representation, in terms of employee sentiment, and all the instruments that we use to measure the progress that we're making. And then following the George Floyd incident and the listening sessions that we did, a different story started to emerge, that we actually had employees that were in pain and their story wasn't being told on the scorecard that we were using as a leadership team or sharing with our board. So we, uh, we embarked upon an audit. We engaged an independent firm to come in and audit everything. Our talent processes, our leadership commitment, our employee experience, um, our candidate experience, because we really wanted to understand both the qualitative and quantitative, but also the ethnographic research so that we could have a full and complete picture. And it was very sobering. Uh, and so we've just finished that audit for our US organization. And uh, we took uh, our entire leadership team through it. We held a two day workshop where we really deep dove every element of uh, the audit findings. And we've used that now to inform our priorities for next year that, that are, we've shared with the entire organization. So there's complete transparency back to this notion of trust. Um, and so the aha for me was these ethnographic insights, this employee experience we have to give voice to whenever we're monitoring or measuring or evaluating some of our core HR programs. So we're about to use that, that methodology worked really well for us. We're about to use that same approach now across all of our plants. So with our hourly workforce, as well as in our international markets going into next year. And we've got a baseline now. So again, we can really measure progress against. But um, uh, I would say we're, uh, we're on the journey. Um, we've got very clear aspirations and we've got a comprehensive plan that I feel really good about. It's so much better than what we had because I now think we have a complete picture that includes employee voice and employee experience. And importantly, there's trust in the system that we're actually uh, not dealing with this on a surface level, but we're being really thoughtful in addressing some causal factors that aren't unique to our company um, they permeate well beyond the walls of corporate America, um, but we're serious about addressing those. So the, the, what you're mentioning is, is really important, giving voice to the employee. Uh, so so what, what, what changed uh, from your initial process to this, this new process? 
Uh, was it surveys before and now you are having conversations? So what exactly is the shift? Yeah, the real, I would say the biggest shift is this ethnographic research. So um, uh, last year, the approach we would have taken, as I said, was uh, a quantitative and a qualitative story. But the qualitative story was really based on focus groups or feedback that uh, where we, we had some employee voice, but it wasn't, um, it wasn't to the same extent of really understanding employee experience. And so the shift by including the ethnographic was we invited, for instance, or, um, a cross-section of our black employees to keep a diary, to keep a diary that captured the day in the life of over several days and weeks of what it felt like. So not just what it looked like, but what it felt like to walk in their shoes. Mm -hmm. And we captured those narratives as part of the qualitative and quantitative story. So when we looked at the numbers and the numbers look really good, and then we have this employee diary that says, even though I'm sitting in this role, I'm a senior leader in the organization and I'm doing all these things on the scorecard, when I walk into the room, and I'm the only, this is how I feel. This is how I feel my words are heard or not heard. This is how I feel my, the impact I can have or I can't have. And so that, that was the biggest shift. And it's been such an insightful experience because it's not only given voice to that employee experience, it's created much greater empathy across the organization, profound learning, um, and I think an invitation to continue that conversation. So one other thing we did was um, all of our senior leaders have reverse mentors. Mm -hmm. And so even as, for instance, I got my, my, my audit results for HR, I would take my results, which was qualitative, quantitative and ethnographic, and I would meet with my reverse mentor. And it, they were just a great thought partner to help me unpack what I was seeing and hearing and interpreting, and again, just getting another voice. Uh, and so those relationships, again, that ongoing continuous learning uh, as we problem solve this space together uh, has been, has just been invaluable. That's great. So any, any parting words for our audience? You know, my parting words would be uh, to, have, uh, to have optimism we're, we're in such an exciting time. I know there's a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of angst and I'm not diminishing any of that. And the opportunity for us, and you said it at the beginning, Harpeet, as HR professionals to have an impact is like nothing I've ever experienced in my career. And so how we inspire, engender confidence and give both our teams and our organizations a sense of hope and confidence, I think is a unique role that each of us can play. Thank you, Kristen. It's such a pleasure having you on the show. And uh, I, we, we've learned so much from you today. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me.